Welcome to the 321 White Collar Sales Pros Podcast. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO of 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. Today is November 22nd, 2019. 321 White Collar Sales Pros is the podcast destination for white collar sales pros from around the world. We know what the sales performance struggle is like because we were once there too, and we support white collar sales pros efforts to maximize sales productivity and sales performance at their sales organizations. 321 BizDev LLC is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions, contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. Please be sure to also listen to the 321 Biz Development Podcast on all major podcast platforms where you can hear up to 71 hours of sales system and business development content. Our website is 321bizdev.com, powered by sitemarket.com, and today's episode is powered by Jive Communications at jive.com. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212. Today's interview is with Alex Mogadasi, CPA, MBA, and CTRS, which stands for Certified Tax Resolution Specialist. He is the principal at Ryan Tax Defense, located in Tampa, Florida. So we are excited today to interview our guest, Alex uh, Mogadasi, who is the principal at Ryan Tax Defense located in Tampa, Florida. Ryan Tax Defense is a company staffed by uh, certified public accountants, tax attorneys, and certified tax resolution specialists. Now, I have spent about three hours on the phone with uh, Alex prior to this interview, learning about Alex's uh, accounting and tax resolution services. So now it is my pleasure to welcome Alex Mogadasi to the 321 White Collar Sales Pros podcast. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Hello, Rick. Uh, I'm, uh, I thank you for having me on the podcast. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for accepting the invite. Uh, Alex, uh, my first question is, can you tell our audience about yourself, uh, like your work background, your education, uh, some past occupations you had before becoming the principal at Ryan Tax Defense? Of course. Um, I, uh, um, for my uh, undergraduate education, I uh, had an accounting degree from University of South Florida uh, in the 90s, and uh, I held various positions at um, healthcare corporations for several years, and then uh, I moved into public accounting uh, early 2001, and um, I continued in public accounting for several years. And then I uh, also um, entered into uh, the graduate program and also I got my MBA at University of Tampa in public accounting. And uh, I worked as a civil public accountant for numerous accounting firms in the Tampa Bay area. And uh, in early years, uh, the first four, five, six years, uh, as I was doing a lot of tax work, I always felt uh, that there was something missing on as to the work I was doing, and that was we were preparing all this work and we submitted it to the government, which was Internal Revenue Service, or a lot of times Florida Department of Revenue in Florida or other state agencies. And I found that, that uh, the notices and the issues that was raised on that side and the clients would reach to the firm to assist them, 
we really didn't know much about it. There's no courses taught about this in the school. Uh, this is something you just have to learn through School of Hard Knocks. And I thought maybe I should go get a job at Internal Revenue Service for a couple of years because I was, in order to help my clients efficiently, I thought I have to learn that a lot more than what um, I am learning in the firms. And um, I tried to do it, but um, it didn't work out for me. I was a little bit older and uh, I was going to work for the large uh, business and international units of IRS. Uh, it did not work out. Um, um, the offer they gave me was not at the level that I was at. So uh, I ran into a firm that um, the principal of that firm uh, had about 20 years of experience uh, with IRS as a group manager. Uh, and um, I thought, well, that would be the next best thing that I've worked in that mm -hmm. firm. And there was also the former um, IRS chief counsel that was uh, practicing out of that office part-time. So I started working there a year or two, and there was, they were doing a lot of government intervention. IRS audits, Florida Department Revenue audits, you know, liens, levies, seizures, uh, you name it. And um, through my work there, I started doing that, and they kept praising me that, wow, you're natural at this, and I kind of uh, started liking it. And um, um, I stayed there five, six years, um, and I became a guru at that, and that firm kind of got bought out and sold out and went away uh, because the gentleman retired. So on the um, um, advice of some clients, I started, you know, my own practice and I started to do uh, tax resolution from Ryan Tax Defense back in 2011. And I've been doing that since then. And um, we have a good staff here. Uh, we have tax attorneys, as myself, and our approach toward this is somewhat different than the larger national firms that a lot of people are exposed to in the media that in my opinion are taking advantage of people and they're always in remote areas and they're not giving the service that they should be to these clients. All right, all right. Well, uh, let me ask you a question that, that sort of uh, is connected to that. Of all the different industries and occupations that people can choose to work in and make a career, why did you choose uh, accounting and then you know tax resolution? How did you come to that decision when you started okay. your education? Um, um, actually, um, I went into accounting. I had uh, I'm an ex-engineer. Uh, I went to Florida State University, and I started my own business. And um, I started working for another company in Miami after a few years, and there was a partnership involved and kind of things went bad and um, I got very sour at that and I kind of left the engineering world and I went back to school um, to get an accounting degree to become a certified public accountant because when I was in an engineering company I was the, the manager there, uh, general manager of the firm and I was responsible for a lot of financials and I was working with an outside CPA firm. I kind of got some interest into that and when kind of I got disappointed at uh, uh, that profession because of my dealings with individuals. Um, then I, um, um, someone, I had a friend also was a CPA from long ago. He would always tell me that, hey, I've never had anybody to get my US master tax card and read through it. Uh, this is weird. You know, I was kind of <laughs> very detailed and I thought, known tax laws, um, you can save so much money if you plan properly. And I got very interested in it, and that kind of drew me to 
accounting, wanted to be a CPA. And um, uh, as far as doing IRS work, I'm finding that um, uh, when someone, uh, the problem I, I found that a lot of people are having these problems is because of their accountants, because they go to these accounting firms and because their work is just being streamlined and it's becoming a process center and a lot of small businesses are getting in trouble with the government uh, because of the way the accounting firms are holding in these matters for them. And um, representing them was pretty challenging and working mm -hmm. with IRS was pretty challenging and I always like challenges. Uh, I kind of were getting bored with the same routine of, okay, here's a tax return, here's a financial statements. But when these cases came up, this was like investigating work. I had to get down there, go back and forth for six months, nine months in a case. You, you're meeting with group managers, you bring in mediations, you work with the appeals office, you petition the tax court. So I found that a lot more exciting and challenging uh, work. And at the end, uh, when I was able to close up a lot of these orders with no change and remove the levies or rescue businesses, it felt good. It just, when I would see that people will come to our firm and I've done that after nine months and I could see how appreciative they are. Uh, there was a lot more gratification for me in it than just somebody coming and said, do my tax return, do my financial statements. So I was kind gotcha. of rescuing them, you know, from trouble. I like, I, I, I appreciate you saying that because that, that sounds more fulfilling, uh, especially when you're yeah, helping yeah. someone, you know, get out of trouble. Uh, Alex, I have three questions to ask you now, and I know you're passionate about what, about what you do, how you help small business owners who find themselves in uh, sometimes complex and uh, sticky tax situations. So what I'll do is I'll ask all three of these questions and you can answer the questions uh, any way you want, because I know that you have a lot of experience. So I'll ask the first question, then the second question, then the third question. The first question is, what type of tax situations uh, does your practice normally see? The second question is, what, in, what level of distress uh, are people when they come and see you and the third question is, do you think these uh, distress cases just popped up or do tax resolution or tax um, complexities uh, develop over time? So those are the three questions. So take it away. Sure. Um, the first question, uh, my answer would be that uh, where they come from, my experience is telling me is 90, 95% of the cases is the taxpayer's accountants, is the accounting firm that is causing IRS notices to be generated or they create red flags for audits or uh, correspondence examination to occur. Uh, that's one part of the IRS challenge. Of course, the other part is um, uh, people are self-employed and they get behind um, financials, uh, start going south and they can't afford payroll and they don't pay the payroll taxes and that can become a very serious problem which can, people can get in serious trouble, there could be criminal charges against them because these are trust fund penalties. These are people's money that they're keeping. Uh, sales tax, same, ma same manner with the state. Uh, again, I find that a lot of them comes because they're not having their accountants guide them. If they did really work with someone, a lot of this should be avoided because you should bring it to your client's attention that, hey, if you do this, it will be far more costly on you down the road and you ultimately have to deal with this. And sometimes when people don't have this proper advice, 
um, I find that they get themselves to these tight corners, and then then they then they need you know someone that does tax resolution uh, as an expertise, and they have to go to that firm to kind of rescue them. And in this process, I find that when we audit, especially, we always ask the agent, "Why are you auditing my my client?" And nine out of ten is always something that the accountant did. Now, of course, mm. that's a two-way street. Uh, the firm is setting up an environment that the client can make errors. So I'm not blaming on the accounting firms only uh, uh, or the clients. It's a two-way street. The accounting firm has a responsibility to set up uh, an environment so the client is encouraged to communicate, ask questions, and help them. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a facilitator for them uh, and a system in that. They become a process center. They just freeze me information to them, and they freeze me tax returns back to them. There's no discussion. There's no analysis. They don't point out things. I can't tell you how many thousands of tax returns I've seen in my career when I look through this, and I go, "Well, this tax return has audit me written all over it. Why would somebody even file this? Why did hey. your CPA didn't tell you that uh, you are a lawyer? One of the orders I've had." You by yourself. You have two staff, and your tax return says that you drove uh, 180,000 miles, and that's in a tax return. And I asked them, "Did you drive 180,000 miles?" He goes, "No." I said, "Well, you have three cars in your tax return, and you drove that much." And he says, "I don't know where that came from." And it's mm-hmm. amazing that while we're in a county, we wouldn't allow such thing to land on a tax return for a proprietor operating on his own. And he's claiming on his tax return that I drove from seven in the morning until nine at night, 365 days a week, at 35 miles an hour. That's where it will come to, which is an impossible out. <laughs> okay, and and this attorney got picked up for a major audit. Um, now we did good for him. Um, there are ways to defend these people. One of the worst things people do is they try to do this themselves. They say, "Well, I don't want to pay it for him." They go down, they meet the agents, and they get in serious trouble. Uh, that way, and of course you have your other matters of when the government wants to levy someone's wages that these people have ignored it for a long time, and tax liens are placed on people. They want to sell their homes. We have to get IRS to subordinate the position because they can't sell anything, um, and we get into some international tax issues as well at this firm uh, for U.S. citizens operating businesses abroad. Or vice versa, foreign nationals uh, purchasing property in U.S. having businesses in U.S. Mm-hmm. Now that was kind of the first question you asked me, and again, it, a lot of this stuff comes from a lot of it. It can be avoided. A lot of it. It just there's really no need for you to have um, IRS coming down and audit you. It's unless you pick randomly. It's always the tax return because IRS assigns what's called DIF score. To each tax return, and as these scores go up, they pull them out, they look at them, and assign them for either correspondence exam or a field audit exam, which is at the location of the business, which is a lot more intrusive. Uh, your second question was: um, uh, Can you refresh me again, my memory? Oh yeah, no, no problem, Alex. Uh, yeah. My second question is: uh, In what, what, in what level of distress are people when they come and see you? Obviously high. Because、um, now some people, then that's rare. 
they generally ignore these things until all of a sudden they file a tax lien against them. Then it gets their attention. Or they get this notice of final of notice of intent to levy. Uh, that gets their attention sometimes. Or if they have a business, they just all of a sudden a revenue officer pays them a visit. They say, here's my badge, I'm a revenue officer in internal revenue service, you have not made payroll taxes. And all of a sudden they wake up and they say, okay, if you don't do this or that, I'm going to put yellow tape around your business and shut it down, which they can't do uh, if you ignore them. Because you, you, you're not depositing payroll taxes into you know government coffers, which is not their money. Uh, they kind of run short and they kind of put in a hand in the government's pocket and uh, becomes very expensive. And sometimes I see that they don't want IRS to know that they're not paying payroll taxes, so they make the bigger mistake of not filing their payroll tax return, which they're racking up 25, 75% penalties added to the taxes that they already owe just because they're not filing. Oh my gosh. Uh, the paperwork, so, you know, and and so that, and there are some people that, you know, we find that they just let this thing go. But if they're really in business and they want to stay in business, uh, they have to address this because ultimately the, the bank accounts will be levied for whatever they have. So I find that people to start paying attention and listening when you get to that point because they find that I have to solve this. Wow. Okay. Well, I tell you what, um, I have, I have one more question. And that mm -hmm. question is, who would be your best clients? In other words, the people that you see right now, you know, are they all business owners? Are they investors? Or what is the range of your, your clientele? Um, we actually, it's, it's a mix of those um, because individuals can get in trouble individually. We have a lot of pass-through entities now in U.S., which are S-corporations, partnerships, which the partnership with S-corporation don't pay any tax. We have a lot of single-member LLCs, which goes on a personal tax return. So when all the assessment of trouble gets done really is at the individual level. So the individual is dealing with it. Now, of course, their business could be dealing with it as well. For example, if you have an S-corporation or a partnership, yes, they could audit the partnership, but ultimately the taxes land on you. So they really is, you're involved, so is your business. Mm -hmm. um, that's most of the cases. And um, if the, generally when people owe money, there's always individual also, because again, the taxes land on the personal tax return for all these conduit type of entities, which they all pass through. Um, they're basically called information returns. You file a partnership return, S-Corp return. All you're doing is you're telling the government, here's what I made, and then the taxes flow to you on the Schedule K-1s, and then now on a personal level, we're dealing with these things. So it's always a personal matter, and that's where IRS can um, you know, put tax liens on these individuals, which mm -hmm. will, uh, is a, basically a kiss of death for their credit. Uh, they can't get any loans, you know, it's very difficult to even get a cell phone when you have a federal tax lien against you. Uh, and these are because you've had balances for years or for a long time uh, and you have not, you have ignored it pretty much. Because the IRS gives people a good bit of time. Um, now, if you have less than $10,000 in balances, things are not that serious. They pretty much let it be. Uh, I haven't seen them levy bank accounts for that. But once you go over ten grand, tax liens are coming 
bank levies are coming, the worst is they levy wages. If they're employed somewhere, all of a sudden they're sitting there and the payroll department calls them up. They say, hey, we had this notice from IRS, we're going to take uh, you know, 60% of your paycheck away. And that gets Ouch. their attention. Boy, that gets, I've, I mean, that gets their attention. I've had clients that, numerous ones, they come down here and they say, how am I going to live? I've had a guy who they, um, he owed like $250,000 to IRS and he was getting uh, social security disability check and they took away it was about 65 percent of his check was being garnished and mm. that's all this guy was making 1800 dollars a month and they were taking like 1100 dollars a week away but they were after him for years and they finally you know found his social security checks and they levied it which they can um and but you know we took care of it for him because he 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 qualifies to go on what's called current and not collectible because he, he cannot afford to pay. So there was no need to have that levy really for two months. And it, it takes you a while to go through this. It's better for them to seek help before this happens. It's easier to put it away before it escalates to that level. And it's cheaper, of course. Wow, wow. Okay, Alex, uh, you've been a gracious guest on the 321 White Collar Sales Pros uh, podcast. I truly appreciate your time as a guest. Do you have any final comments for our listeners? And please uh, tell our listeners how to best contact you if and perhaps when they need your help, just or if they just want to ask, ask you some questions. Of course, you know, they can always call our office um, at uh, 813-448-1280. Uh, our my office manager, April, uh, is here uh, Monday through Friday, um, around 9.30 to 5.30. And uh, they can visit our website, www.ryantaxdefense.com. And of course, we have an email as well, uh, which is info at ryanconsultingcpa.com as well. And we can call them. They can fill out a little. Uh, and that's at Ryan Tax Defense as well. I think they could fill that out and we will contact them. And we always, Alrighty. of course, do a, uh, you know, anybody who calls, we do a 30-minute, one-hour, no-obligation consult without any charge. We just look at the case, and then we give them our thoughts and how we can handle it and what the estimates are uh, for us handling the case. All righty. Well, Alex, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm speaking with Alex uh, Mogadasi, CPA, MBA, a certified uh, tax resolution specialist at uh, Ryan Tax Defense in the Tampa Bay area. And, uh, so, oh, no, yo, no problem. So listeners, you have listened to the 321 White Collar Sales Pros podcast with today's guest, Alex Mogadasi, CPA, MBA, certified tax resolution specialist at Ryan Tax Defense in Tampa, Florida. If you have any questions about the 321 White Collar Sales Pros, uh, or you would like to be a guest, we can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode and our guests. Thank you very much. Make it a great day. Bye.